Hey there, I'm Christopher Dorabek, the Dorabek Insider, and welcome to Govloop's Dorabek Insider, where we focus on six words helping government do its job better. And today we're talking about government procurement, specifically innovation in procurement and contracting. Yes, there's innovation going on. I know sometimes people out there don't believe it. Well, I recently had the pleasure to moderate a panel at AFCIA's Bethesda chapter talking about the landscape in procurement and innovation. And one of the people on the panel really fascinated me and the work that they are doing. So I wanted to have him on this program so you can hear about it. Joining me, Mark Junda. He is the, a supervisory contracting officer at the Department of Ver Veterans Affairs Technology Acquisition Center. Mark, thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Let me have you start by explaining to folks, we all know what the VA is, of course. But some people may not have heard of the Technology Acquisition Center. Describe to me what it is. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me. Um, the Technology Acquisition Center, we're uh, just that acquisition center within VA. Uh, we were stood up a handful of years ago. Um, and uh, we mainly primarily do IT within, uh, within the department. So uh, probably 95 or 98% of what we do is IT oriented. Um, so we work with uh, all parts of VA to uh, procure their IT, everything from simple commodity purchase to, um, purchases to uh, uh, software development efforts, uh, cloud solutions, and, and whatnot. We uh, are an office here in uh, Eatontown, New Jersey, and also have a, uh, an office in Austin, Texas. Um, we have probably about 20 or so contracting officers working for the organization. And, and I've the, just the concept of having a technology acquisition, you know, there's been all this ongoing discussion about, okay, do we, do, is technology so specialized that it needs a unique people? And we've seen some of that with 18F and digital services. Have you found that this helps you do contracting better by having you guys who focus on this specific area? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it gives us kind of that uh, wheelhouse of knowledge that uh, that we build up over the years of doing IT. Since that's our sole focus, you know, we should be very good at it. And, you know, I think we've proved ourselves where uh, we are pretty good at it. Um, when the uh, call for these um, innovation labs came out and um, it was encouraged to kind of have a, a focused group on IT, we kind of looked around and said, we think we're already kind of that, you know, we can um, do better, implement uh, various things, but we kind of are that already just by how we're structured within VA. Uh, give me your sense as to, because I, I know you look not only within VA, but also across the organization, uh, across government, and hear a lot of things. Give me your sense as to where we stand in terms of uh, government uh, acquisition, government procurement, government contracting. Uh, you know, I think the, the general MO even within government, is hey, we're just we're we're continuing to do a lot of the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Is that changing? Is is your sense that that people are saying, okay, we need to do things a little bit differently? Um, I hope it is. I mean, I've kind of been in this little bubble that's been uh, trying to promote this change, so uh, I definitely see it. I don't know how good we're at at uh, publicizing it. Um, I, I think we're getting better. I think we're trying to do that, but uh, I, I think there is a big call for change, and there's some um, some, some pioneers doing that uh, at the uh, at USDS and uh, the DITAP training that they're doing, uh, the digital IT acquisition professional training, where they're uh, gathering acquisition professionals from across the uh, the government, and um, you know trying to teach different ways of doing things, and not even specific ways, but just uh, how to use our business sense to accomplish things in a better way. So I think we're changing right now. There's I see kind of a focus in IT, but hopefully that permeates 
all areas of acquisition. The Air Force is doing some really cool things in their innovation lab that uh, isn't just solely focused on, on IT. So I, I think we are changing, and um, it's, it's a large ship to turn. So uh, maybe slowly, but, uh, but it's happening. So talk a little bit about how you guys are, are, are tr- working to be innovative, trying to do things differently. And I know part of it involves uh, working with um, different parts of the organization, almost getting, it seems so a, a kind of V8 moment, you know, you kind of bonk yourself in the head, head and say, of course we get multiple, fact, multiple people in the room and talk about how we can do this better, and yet so few organizations do that. You guys are actually doing that. Yeah, we're trying. Um, you know, there's areas where we can implement some of this innovation. Um, again, going through the training that I went through, uh, started about this time last year, and uh, ended last uh, March or so has equipped me to kind of ask different questions, see acquisition from a different angle, a different perspective. And um, I've been much more open on being innovative in the the requirements that I get. I've been trying to kind of share that information to my uh, fellow coworkers uh, throughout the tech um, here and in Austin, um, you know, to to see what uh, my other colleagues are doing. And, And actually going around and talking with other people, um, there's been this sense of innovation. I think um, even before this time, it's just we haven't all uh, congregated and discussed it like maybe we we are now. We're kind of sharing these ideas within the organization of what we're doing. And that's kind of as being in charge of the innovation lab. That's uh, one of my big initiatives this year is to to better publicize uh, within our organization what we're doing, the the challenges that that we face, how we've overcome them, things that worked, and then even some things that haven't. So uh, we don't keep trying the same wrong thing over and over again. And and talk a little bit about the innovation lab because uh, there are a handful of these across government, but they're still not they're still not the norm. Um, why have an innovation lab? What is what does it do that helps? Well, my favorite six words. What does it do that helps you do your job better? <clears throat> Yes, yeah, so they all kind of take a slightly different form within each agency. Um, within hours, we identify different projects where we can infuse some sort of innovation. And it doesn't have to be something that changes the world, but um, you know, something that makes the acquisition a little different, that uh, makes it more efficient, makes it more beneficial to the customer. Um, so w- one area that we largely look at is how we evaluate. And um, we've had some successes in that uh, there is, you know, we've, formalize these best practices over the years with evaluation, and then we've kind of, um, you know, laid in those best practices, and, and they've become kind of redundant, and we've taken a fresh look. So kind of the, the phrase I like to use is um, we want to taste the actual pudding, not just read the recipe <laughs> for the pudding. And what I mean by that is um, when we're evaluating something, we actually want to see the product. We want to kind of touch and feel it and play with it to see, can this vendor really do it rather than just read about their approach to doing something we want them to do, which has been the norm for uh, for many, many years. So recently, um, kind of on the back of some other agencies like ATF who have who have done it, we uh, we evaluated through a, a software code submission on our uh, local um, IDIQ contract, and um, it, it turned out to be very beneficial. We uh, we gleaned quite a bit from that evaluation, and uh, we were able to test the quality of the code, um, evaluate the actual design of the code, and and select a winner based off of it. And we got uh, very good feedback from the the customer side. Um, me administering the evaluation, uh, I thought it was very beneficial. And then we even reached out to the contractors and got their feedback. And 
um, definitely have some lessons learned, but I think largely they, they appreciated the approach as well. And, so, and some of your lessons learned are, are things like what? Um, there's, uh, there, there were a handful. Um, the way we worded it, I think we could uh, grow on, um, as I said, uh, we established some of the wording as more binary requirements right. of the contractor shall do X, Y, and Z. Um, when maybe uh, they shouldn't have necessarily been binary requirement, maybe um, some uh, s uh, subjective nature in there. So, so things like that, even just the time frames of requiring the, the code submission, um, the, the vendors had concern about the, uh, the, sh the short amount of time. Also, the vendors were a little concerned that, um, you know, if this was going to be the norm of evaluating a software submission, uh, rather than a written approach, they would probably have to reorient their teams a little bit. So uh, um, just some current concerns surrounding that because that obviously affects st staffing and resources. Um, so you know, there were there were a number of things we, we took to heart, and I think we could do better the next time if, if we do implement it again. Um, is there, it, it, you know, they often say that the government has, has a very little taste for uh, allowing failure to happen. And in the innovation lab, are you able to figure out ways to uh, essentially um, try things that are uh, different enough, but uh, I guess it's fair to say don't get you in trouble, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the mantra is you know, take risk and embrace the risk, and uh, if there's failure, you know, own the failure. But uh, th that's, that's kind of a good mantra to have, but in execution, it's very difficult because no one wants their procurement to be the one where innovation fails, and <laughs> right. they have to go back to, you know, to their senior staff and say, we tried something different and it didn't work. The question would be, why don't you just do it the tried and true way because we're guaranteed to get something. So um, there's always a little hesitation in that, and what, what I try to explain to people is um, we're not solving the whole procurement problem on one innovation, on one effort. So let's, let's take pieces and let's try something new. Let's evaluate differently. Let's maybe structure a contract a little differently, see how it goes, and the next one build off that. And before you know it, these innovative ideas are becoming the norm, and they're just being established in a regular processes. And then there's new innovative ideas that are built on top of that. So while some might seem greater and more innovative than others, um, you know, it, it, who's to measure and judge what the innovation is really? I, I think um, I think we just have to try these new things that make business sense. I know one of the things you've worked on are are more flexible contract options. Um, why is that important? Why is that important to VA? And and how have you done that? Yeah. So um, one of the uh, precepts of um, agile contracting is, uh, or when contracting for agile. Uh, development is um, not to connect the functional requirements to the contractual requirements because we acknowledge that the functional requirements are going to evolve over time. They're going to change as you meet with users. They're going to want to see things differently or do things differently. And, and th that's good. We want to be able to change as we go. Gone are the ways of let's set our requirements up front and let's develop to them and we can't change because we don't want to interrupt the contract. We don't have, want to have to renegotiate anything. Right. It's locked um, in so stone we're just going to and there it shall go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and those time and time again have been a failure. So uh, we want to separate those. We want to have a, a, a scope of the contract where um, we're going to develop to achieve a purpose, maybe some sort of application, but we're not setting in those functional requirements because they're going to change over time. 
and we're going to contract for um, a repeatable process, um, agile development, sprint teams, um, scrum teams. And um, the, this, this kind of breaks the, the paradigm of, of what we, we've always done, and it takes some getting used to because for contracting officers who love to control what the requirements are and know that for this amount of money I'm at least going to get this, um, we no longer have that. We're more managing by the team and based on their productivity and, and the output of that team. So we want to be flexible in that we can change as the contract goes on, the development teams move, move along. We, we want to be able to change and, and develop how the users want the software to be because we just want the best product at the end, not, not necessarily what we set out for in the beginning. Right. So, so that's one area of flexibility that uh, – we try to establish with a contract now. It certainly feels like nowadays we apply the term agile to just about anything, <laughs> whether it's contracting, whether it's software development. We just we want everything to be agile. And but it also feels. I mean, I always my joke always is I feel like I've been covering government. Uh, uh, you know, the operations of government since the Lincoln administration. Uh, that's only half a joke. Um, but uh, but, but it, I feel like we've also been talking about wanting to be more agile for most of that period of time. Why is why is agile seem to be so hard? Why does why is this seem to be uh, uh, government just very resistant uh, to try, trying this? Uh, well, not even that new process anymore. Um, yeah, you know that's a great question. I don't know. I have the full answer, but I think part of it is just the. Uh, um, uh, the fear of failure that, again, if you if you write your requirements up front and everyone agrees this is what we want, that's what you deliver in the end, well, the finger can't be pointed at me because right, right. you know, we're just developing what we're set out to develop. So now we're moving from that and kind of taking on some of that risk that we're saying we're trying to get the best team in place that can develop and we're going to manage that along the way and at the end we're going to get an even better product. Um, but there's definitely some risk in that. And, and if that fails... It's more on the person managing it because they didn't manage it to the point where um, maybe deployable software code is being delivered very frequently. Um, they weren't prioritizing the backlog correctly. So um, there's probably more risk on some of the government individuals, which we're finally taking on that risk and accepting that. But um, there's also fear in that. Not everybody wants to accept that. There, there also seems to be almost this, uh, uh, I hate the word culture, but there, there, a, a culture thing where you know, we don't want to change the pieces because we know how hard it is to change the, the we're used to this procurement system that is very slow to change. And God forbid you change one piece and then you have to go back and redo all sorts of things. And, and that just, so it's easier once you've got things locked and set to then move on to the next step. It's very linear. You can follow that process and end up with this end result where I think people have this fear that agile is kind of all over the place and you have moving pieces all the time. And that, and that also really, really can scare people. Yeah, I agree. And, um, probably there's a lot of naysayers that just think this is kind of the flavor of the month right. and, uh, it, it'll pass just like all the other trends in government have passed. So people are just waiting it out, but we've, we've seen successes. We've seen, um, you know, good software products be developed using this approach. Um, so hopefully it is here to stay around. Well, as I keep saying, I've been, I have literally been covering this stuff for 25 years, and it's been the flavor of 25 years. We just don't really seem to try it. And now, now the fun thing is there are people <laughs> actually out trying it, so it's awesome. Um, you mentioned training early on, and specifically the digital IT acquisition professional training. Talk a little bit about what that is, how it works, 
and and uh, training always feels like one of those things that we uh, it's it's somehow this magic potion, and we say, oh, we need more training, and that magically makes things happen. But this feels more concrete than that. Um, yeah, yeah. This has been interesting training, uh, the best training in my federal career, probably. And um, I think it is that way for a couple of reasons. First, uh, the first day of training, um, you know, there's 30 of us selected from across uh, the federal government. Um, and we had Ann Rung come in and address the class. And um, the, uh, the director, and, uh, the head of, of federal IT procurement. Out of OMB. Right, and Mikey yeah. Dickerson. And we, so we had some pretty senior people come in and say, hey, you know, we're, in essence, they didn't say this exactly, but we're the people running the government and we're, we're buying into this. This is really important. So when you have um, that level of commitment from extremely senior people, I think it uh, sets the tone for the training. Um, also, the people doing the training, um, we had uh, Tracy Walker, who uh, really spearheaded the training, and some others um, who were who played primary roles in it, they had actually um, implemented these things and been successful with it. So they could transfer that knowledge to us. Um, you know, there was, there was support in it, but it wasn't just um, you know, routine government training where um, someone is teaching concepts of what to do, but uh, it was actually trained by the people who, who had accomplished this. So I think that made it um, very, very interesting, very beneficial, and um, the the so my class was the first class, kind of the pilot of it. They've started another class, I think, about the same size, and um, I, I think as long as they keep it, kind of in that in that structure, that it'll be successful training. I'm a little nervous. Eventually, you have to scale it if you want to train the federal government. Right. You can't train 30 at a time, but um, I, I I'm nervous it might lose a little bit of that luster if it becomes uh, a regular. Uh, course offering that uh, you know, two hundred people can sign up for at any given time. And and are the the things that I mean, it feels to me like what you guys focused on are, frankly, some of the things. How do we do agile in a way that that is is workable? How do we how do we be more innovative and try things in a way that that is safe enough? Right. Yeah. Um, the the training was quite exhaustive. The the first part of it um, was almost a technical course on exactly what, and we sometimes in this we we overemphasize the agile portion of it, but it goes into um, you know all areas of digital services. Uh, but we kind of learned it from a technical perspective, so we we understand the terminology, we understand you know at a high level, you know we're all contracting people, so um, you know it was probably a little bit more difficult for us than the average IT guy, but. Um, uh, you know, we, we learned the terminology, some concepts of IT, and then w once we formulated that understanding, we could understand how to implement it within our acquisition structure. So that was kind of the, the latter portion of the training was actually how to solicit for this, how to award it, how to administer, um, you know, digital services. So, uh, Mark, give me a sense as to what you're going to be. We're coming close to the end of the year, and we all start saying, oh, thinking about, okay, what do I really want to accomplish for next year? What are... What are your goals? What would you like to at least try or test out? What's your give me your your goals for the coming year? Yeah. Um, so 
uh, one of the difficulties with doing this is uh, the acquisition process, believe it or not, can be a little bit slow. Oh, really? And, I haven't um, heard that. <laughs> you know, you want to jump out and be innovative in all sorts of areas, but uh, you're trying to identify the right efforts and the right customers to work with where you can be innovative, and um, those jobs aren't necessarily plentiful. Um, so you're, you're waiting and choosing the right ones uh, um, to do this, to, to test something, to try something new. So um, w one of my goals is just to continue what we've been doing, you know, find a few of these at a time where we can uh, try new things, um, be innovative, and then share the successes or failures of that with uh, my organization and the, um, the uh, Innovation Council. Um, also, uh, I, as, as I alluded to earlier, um, I want to do a better job at communicating with the workforce about what we're doing and the merits of what we're doing. Um, also, what I've started um, you know, a handful of months ago that I'd like to continue is um, training um, on this with, within my organization. Not everyone can go to that DITAP training, but if I can uh, convey some of that information within my organization, I think it'd be beneficial. So, so those those are some areas. I, I I absolutely don't want this to just be something that my team does or me and and a few around me, but that uh, this is distributed out to the workforce to the point where um, everyone kind of becomes innovative and and starts thinking this way. And in some ways, feels empowered to to be able to say. It, you, you need a certain amount of empowerment even to suggest something new to within an organization. And so it's it's building that, again, I'm using the culture word, but building that culture where, it, hey, it's okay, and it may not, you know, we may all add to it and, and change it a little bit, but it, you want people coming up and saying, hey, what about if we did this kind of thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I, I'm in a great spot, as I tell lots of people who ask about how difficult it is to implement. Um, I have... Um, tremendous support from my leadership, from my immediate supervisor, you know, all the way up, um, you know, to implement these things that, uh, you know, along the way I might have to educate people on what we're doing and why it makes sense, but uh, they just, they just want to know so they can buy into it and not be caught off guard. And uh, they've uh, really given me uh, a, a significant leash to, um, to go and, and try the, try these things. So uh, I think that same thing will, will occur for all those in my organization. Well, Mark, you're welcome back here anytime if you want to, we can use this as a platform to get word out to, to both your organization, but also to other folks. So uh, we get more people uh, just thinking, uh, you know, I think it's so important to uh, just try new things. And, and particularly right now, we saw a crazy election where people, I think, were saying, okay, let's change. And we want to kind of direct that change and make sure it, it works for, to help government do its job better, is my sense. Mark Junda. He is the, a supervisory contracting officer with the Department of Veterans Affairs Technology Acquisition Center.